Hello, and welcome to the HRD Live podcast. This week, I was joined by Tracy Keogh, CHRO of Hewlett-Packard. Tracy joined me via studio uplink from Silicon Valley to discuss the mammoth transformation that she has overseen at HP and how she made it happen. It was a really fascinating discussion. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Enjoy. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So first things first, then, tell me about the HP way and how you set about creating uh, your cultural transformation at HP. How did that come around? So the HP way is uh, actually quite famous uh, and it's really the articulation of our culture here at HP. And it started with our founders, um, Bill and Dave Hewlett and Packard, and um, they had articulated the HP way. First, the company started living it and then they articulated it in a book about HP because we had such a unique and incredible culture. They started things like management by walking around and the open door policy, which uh, in the 40s and 50s was very revolutionary at uh, companies in corporate America. And, you know, as we celebrate our 80th year this year um, as a technology company, which is amazing, staying relevant over that many years, um, it's still alive and well in the organization. And it's something that's really stood the test of time. And it really articulates who we are as a company, what our values are, um, really uh, what we promise to both our customers and our employees and how we bring that to life every day, um, really to make an incredible and extraordinary company. So you, you look back to kind of create the future of the company, I suppose, in, in some way. What, what, why do you think that that has lasted so long? Because with so many companies over that length of time, it's 80 years for companies quite a while, culture, those ideas of culture would have changed. But why, what is it about that idea, you think, of that notion that's that's managed to stick around? Well, I think what doesn't change in a company and what we always say is your DNA is very strong uh, in a company is uh, the values. How they manifest themselves, that changes over time. Mm. The behaviors may look different. You know, open door policy doesn't mean going into someone's office now. It means you can send an email or text the CEO. Right. Um, and so, you know, you have to keep re uh aligning what the behaviors are that support your values, but your values as an organization shouldn't change. And you can see when companies go off the rails or have problems is they've lost their way around values. You also see companies that um, try and change. They have issues and they try and replace the leadership, but this the issues persist over time because, as we say, that DNA is very hard to change in a company. I think the reason why HP has lasted so long and why people love working here and our customers love us and what we deliver is because those values persist over time and they were the right values and the positive ones. And you have to manage your culture. You can't just let it evolve because that's when you get things that aren't so productive and then uh, companies have problems. You know, when you look at the um, our basic values, if Bill and Dave walked in today, they would recognize those. And we always keep that in mind. Um, you know, it's around uncompromising integrity, trust and respect for our people, results through teamwork, you know, meaningful innovation, our focus on customers, partners, and the community. These are all things that they articulated you know, 80 years ago as they were starting the company. But, you know, 
our focus on customers and partners and communities looks different. You know, the level of sustainability that we focus on now um, is different than you know, their view, but they cared about the communities in which they worked. Um, so all these different elements we take into account and then translate into what it means for our people today. Um, what we actually say right now for the HP way is we want our leaders to imagine the future and make it happen. That's really what we're about at HP for um, our customers around the world. So you talk a little bit about DNA there. If an organization has somehow its DNA got something wrong, or as you say, it's it's just been allowed to evolve without having having, having been checked enough in that process, how do you think a people leader could go about reversing that process or checking that DNA and managing it to make it um, more positive again? I think you have to be rigorous about continuously looking inside at um, the behaviors and the values of your organization. And you have to change leaders out if they're not living them in the right way. Those talent decisions that you make uh, really make a difference. I, I don't want to call up any particular companies, but we've seen lately companies that have had issues. They've changed the leadership, but it doesn't change what's going on inside the company or even institutions. You know, we've seen, you know, government, religious, different institutions that they think they've addressed the problem, but they really haven't gotten to the core of it. So unless you really question yourself, you're very transparent, you identify those issues um, and address them with changing the behaviors, changing the people, you're not gonna actually be able um, to make a difference in your company. For companies that have more of a positive culture, what I always say, you wanna continuously evolve your culture. You never wanna say, I'm gonna change it completely unless you have a problem because it's not realistic to do that. So we're always looking at really what's the next phase of our culture. You know, as we split the company, so we took, in 2015, the incredible opportunity to split the Hewlett Packard company into two companies. It was the second largest, fastest, most complex split in business history. It was incredible um, to do that. That was the opportune time for us to rearticulate our culture, what those behaviors looked at. And then we added another concept, which you know I think many companies are embracing these days, which was around growth mindset and how are we gonna continuously improve, which was, uh, and keep learning as an organization, which was very much in keeping with our values as a company. And that helped reignite um, our employees' vision of you know, how they could reinvent themselves, how they can continuously reinvent the company. And so you can introduce things that support the basic elements of your culture and then really emphasize the ones that are important to you in, you know, the modern day business environment. At that point where you see the opportunity to make that cultural change happen, say, for example, there you talked about creating or reinterpreting a, a, a growth mindset in the company. How do you then translate that into something that can be understood by everyone in the organization if you said it's an enormous company how do you make sure that growth mindset is received by every single person working for hp so you have to have a very comprehensive plan to do that we start with focusing on our manager and leader population because we think that's the most important fulcrum people really look to what their managers do and say so we started by training every one of our managers around the world 
in growth mindset. And we gave them the tools then to go back to their teams and do what we call a, a team sprint with them around growth mindset. And so that they were able to translate that into their everyday work so people could embrace it. At the same time, we, um, you know, really reinforced it from the top of the organization so that our employees are hearing about it from our leaders, our CEO embraced it, and it becomes part and parcel of everything we do. We hire for growth mindset, we evaluate people on how they're demonstrating their growth mindset. So you have to build it into all your processes. You can't just talk about it. You have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And, and we really do that. And it takes years. Um, you can't hop from one thing to another. That's something that, um, you know, it took us a long time to get to. That was the right uh, ethos that we wanted to transmit across the organization. And then we'll spend the next few years really emphasizing that, rewarding it, um, and really augmenting it across the company to make sure it takes hold in your organization. Speaking of transformation, then in that way, I mean, being a tech company, tech is, I think, more than any other industry, constantly changing. And it's, a, it's such a rapid pace as well. What's required of the people in your organization during those times of enormously rapid change? And how can you help them to adapt to that? How do you help them through it? Well, you know, uh, first of all, I think um, tech does move quickly and it's getting even quicker. The cycles are moving quickly. And so um, to stay relevant, you know, our brand promise, which I love, is to keep reinventing because that's who we are. And that's, I love to translate that into our employee value proposition, which is reinvention begins with me. So we expect all of our employees to be continuously learning and, and reinventing themselves all the time. I always say I think people stay in organizations where they feel like they're learning more there and they're more relevant than anywhere outside the company. And so my challenge as the head of HR is to make that happen every day for our employees. You know, and so we offer a lot of development. Um, we give people incredible uh, opportunities to move around the company, change jobs. We want everyone to have a career path that maps out um, different opportunities for them to learn. We also, we, we say we don't have a career ladder, we have a climbing wall because sometimes you're going to go up, sometimes you're going to go down, you're going to go sideways. And everyone on our leadership team included has gone through different experiences to help grow their skill sets. Um, a few years ago, we did away with performance ratings because we didn't find they were productive or helped people um, in our goal of taking on new opportunities. We found people didn't want to take new jobs because they didn't want to get a lower rating because they were learning things. That was the antithesis of what we hoped to achieve. So we eliminated that and we think um, they get better development and better feedback and grow more without those those ratings. So we want to harness all of our people. We do a lot of um, uh, collaboration and co-creation across the organization. 60% of what's in Brain Candy is actually curated by our own employees for our own employees. And so that gives me an army of people that are helping me uh, with people development across the organization. Um, we're now um, really augmenting uh, a whole new digital skills uh, development program for our employees 
focusing on a lot of the new skills we've been doing, robotics and AI and data analytics for a while, but now we want everyone to be trained in that. So we're rolling that out more broadly in the organization. So there's always lots to do to help uh, our employees keep reinventing themselves, and that's really what we focus on. Returning to, to what you mentioned about performance ratings then, so how what is your approach to performance management now then? If, if you've done away with that, as you said, you saw that it wasn't helpful, you didn't think it was incentivizing or even helping your employees at all. What's the new approach to performance management um, at HP? So, yeah, so we actually... Um, I, I would say it's much more developmental in terms of mm. um, we do feedback. I do like to do feedback on an annual basis in a comprehensive way um, because often when you, uh, you you have a sense of someone and you think, oh, this person's good or they're not good or whatever it is, and then when you sit down and you think about what they've done during the year, you get feedback from others, you realize, oh, you know, they're actually had more of an impact than I thought or Hmm, they aren't actually achieving what I thought. I think it's really good to take the time to do that. So we do that on an annual basis. Then um, we do quarterly check-ins. You know, we have goal and development conversations. So we really want to move to much more of an almost continuous feedback uh, loop uh, on an ongoing basis to help develop our employees because we find that's most effective. Um, taking away the ratings uh, didn't take away the amount of feedback, in fact, it increased it. And a lot of people said, oh, I feel like I've been let out of jail. You know, this is now I can actually really take time and give feedback to people. And our employees came back and said, I this is the best feedback I've ever gotten because people didn't feel constrained. Um, when we look at a lot of people bring up, oh, well, then how do you do compensation? Um, what was interesting is we did create um, a tool that managers could use that was very high level. It wasn't a rating tool because sometimes people take away ratings and then they have a shadow rating system behind the scenes. Right. I don't think that's effective and not transparent and employees figure that out. We have no rating system behind the scenes, but we wanted to give managers some guidance on um, how they could allocate rewards and so we created a tool that really talks about what people did and the how and you know what it basically says is if this person is low in the range and they performed at a high level give them more rewards you know if it was less you can give them less rewards that's as specific as it gets it just pokes out a list of you know I would give this person more rewards this one less and what was interesting to find because especially the first time we did this I thought it was be a mess you know and also we have a engineering community and engineers like precision right they don't like to just go with the art versus the science of compensation but what we found is people differentiated more without the ratings in compensation versus less. And so we're now on our fourth cycle of doing this and we find it incredibly effective and uh, feel like we are um, doing better talent uh, development than ever before. It seems like part of a lot of this is, is ownership and encouraging employees to take control of certain yeah. aspects of, of, of their careers. When it comes to that learning part, I think one thing that a lot of people leaders struggle with is incentivizing that process of, of owning your own learning. How have you gone about encouraging your employees to, to you say that they build their own learning, how have you helped them to take their own ownership of that and, and really take yeah. control? I think, you know, um, it's great if you have a manager who's dedicated to your development, but you also 
um, need to be successful if you don't happen to be in that situation. And, um, you know, first of all, we do hire people who are intrinsically motivated to improve themselves and want to learn. It's just the nature of our organization. Um, and people know when they come here, they get that. So that's part of the, the hurdle. But I think the most important thing is creating great tools for people to be able to access. Um, and so um, we have a portal now that we created that you can go in that helps you do career uh, mapping and gives you different opportunities in addition to some of the tools I mentioned before, Brain Candy. We call that portal portal power your possible and it's about how you're going to power your own organization so we actually teach people how to create career maps we give them you know visibility into other people that have gone through um, different career mapping then um, our HR team works with our leaders around talent development making sure that um, you know we're moving people around uh, into different roles so they can grow their skills. We find, you know, if people don't move within, you know, say between three and four years, they have a tendency to leave the organization. So when you look at the data and you realize, oh, you got to move these people more quickly, and especially entry-level people want even more um, acceleration in terms of moving into different roles and learning new skill sets. So we're we're always looking at how we're doing that across the organization. And even at the most senior level of the company, um, we have programs available for people. We do things like we call ride-alongs where, you know, say I'm going to a meeting, I'll take one of my, um, you know, senior leaders who I think can benefit from that meeting uh, to watch and, and see uh, what goes on there. You know, we'll take a up-and-coming uh, person to an analyst meeting so they learn about those so there's a lot of ways that you can do development for people and build it into the everyday that they're doing the one thing you have to make sure people realize and I always make this joke I kind of point and say hey this is development because a lot of times when someone's having a conversation they don't realize oh your manager was just giving you feedback that was development mm -hmm. or this assignment that we gave you that was development so we're very prescriptive about those are the things that are helping you develop at the core of so much of this i think in trying to make it work and allowing these these initiatives to succeed is the core employee experience and making sure that's a success. How have you gone about rethinking that aspect of employee life at HP? I understand it's been fairly, uh, well, an enormous change like everything else uh, that yeah. you've embarked upon. How, but how has employee experience changed? Well, one of the things that was great when we got to um, split the companies, you know, we called ourselves a $50 billion startup when we split. And we literally had to reinvent every process in the organization, because all the things that worked at the other company actually didn't fit our new company. And so it's been an exciting time, and um, particularly for HR to continue to innovate. One of the um, great areas has been um, focusing on the employee experience. And First of all, I have a team that focuses on employee experience and culture, and I think it's really important to do that um, so that, um, you know, you're looking at things from the employee's perspective. Um, and so we've just gone about um, reinventing every process that touches our employees with um, putting employees at the center of everything we do. And so, you know, using design thinking and working, 
you know, closely with employees around the world. I'm a huge fan of co-creation. Um, you know, I never create things from corporate and push them down. Those are always um, nice. going to fail. I can tell you right off the bat. And um, so, you know, your employees, particularly the ones on the coalface, are the ones who really understand best what's going on and how to improve things. So you want to make sure you're um, engaging with them. We do a lot of pulsing of our employees. And then I still have an annual survey in addition to the pulsing because I like, you know, kind of a data point in time. And in the last four years, we've increased employee engagement by 26% in the company, um, which is really uh, a lot of improvement for it's a company our yeah, size and of, scale. A huge amount of well, improvement. We, yeah, we take all their feedback and we really take action on it, which is the most important thing. And 90, I think we're at 94% of employees fill out the engagement survey, which is amazing in and of itself because yeah. that means they really feel like it matters. And so I'd say one of the kind of the most interesting thing. So I talked about actually when we split, we got rid of titles, the EVP, SVP, and we went to content titles because I found titles were getting in our way of people taking new roles. So mm. we went to more about what people were doing. I told you we we got rid of um, ratings. We created new learning opportunities. We implemented uh, the new employee value proposition. Um, we launched um, a bunch of different um uh, technology solutions to improve people processes like um, uh, onboarding and so on. One of the ones that I really um, think has been a big hit is we reinvented our recognition um, platform and moved away from uh, just the usual. We still do, you know, people send recognition to each other during the year, but we also created this great experience uh, recognition um platforms so that you can create an experience for an employee. So instead of just saying thank you or giving them a one-time bonus, um, we had someone, for example, who loved um, those outdoor pizza ovens and his manager <laughs> wanted to reward him with something. And, you know, you give someone a couple thousand dollars, most of it goes to taxes, they say thank you and then it goes away. But he actually coordinated um, a pizza oven being built in this person's backyard and had a special delivery person that came with the pizza box that had a picture <laughs> of the pizza oven he wanted and, you know, had it delivered during an employee meeting. That's the kind of thing an employee will never forget. And so we actually have a kind of a concierge that helps managers figure out, um, you know, the experience an employee might uh, want and then we call that giving a wow and so you know in addition to the usual celebrating service and recognizing people across the organization we we also give a wow and then we also instituted this year amaze awards where we recognize people that have done amazing work so i think that's just one of the ways we kind of reinvent the employee experience so i think a, a huge part of that it seems i mean immediately that's it's incredible that you managed to have that degree of detail and attention in, in in recognition, but feedback seems to be a huge part of all of this. How do you think you've been able to action so or listen to so much feedback and action it? Because I feel that's something a lot of organizations struggle with. Once you have that feedback, how do you then find a way of implementing it? How have you yeah. gone about that process and how easy has that been? You know, I, I think you have to use, really organizations have so many tools at their hands now. If you are not listening to feedback, um, that's a problem. I think you have to be willing to 
constantly re-examine yourself and not feel like you know everything. Um, your employees know everything more than you do. <laughs> and so you, you have to be there, you know, internal and external feedback mechanisms that everybody should be using. I think the most important thing is acting on the feedback. And even when you get feedback and you're not going to act on it, tell people why you're not acting on it. I think it's the, um, so one of the things I love is that, um, and this is throughout my career, I've always made sure that internal communication is part of HR because I think it's an important two-way communication all the time. Um, and I think it's really one of the most critical levers in creating your culture. And so, you know, we have our, our internal communication group is in constant touch with people. We, you know, use every mechanism at our hands to be able to communicate, pulse the organization, and then translate that back into what we're doing. And I, the other thing is our employees feel ownership of our company. They put the company first, and they want to make sure the company's doing um, the best they can for employees. And I, I do think it starts back to our values in the open door policy. So people feel free to tell us what we need to improve upon or not. Um, and that's something that we just focus on and make sure we're taking all those diverse perspectives into account as we're trying to create our culture. Speaking of, of diverse perspectives, then, I know that diversity has been a really important issue for you and something that you've championed. How have you gone about creating greater diversity in HP and at different levels of the organization? And why was that important to you? So um, I think for us, diversity and inclusion are really founded in a business imperative. We feel that di diversity and inclusion really drives innovation. And when you bring those diverse uh, perspectives together, you get a higher level of innovation in the organization. And we're all about innovation as a technology company. And so it's not a hard, um, you know, discussion to have with people because they see that and they embrace it here. Um, you know, when we split, we had the opportunity and I took the opportunity to create the most diverse board in technology with 45% women, I think we're 55% underrepresented minorities. We got people of different ages from different parts of the world. It's just an incredibly eclectic group of people. And that creates a role model and a symbolism for the organization that's really important. Then our leadership team also has a lot of diversity. And, you know, we're truly a global company. I love to say sometimes I'm on a conference call and I'm the only one with an American accent. You know, we're bringing <laughs> a lot of diverse perspectives together. Um, and it really makes a difference. You know, uh, um, over 30% of our leadership team is women, which for a technology company is very high. And we focus um, on diversity, both internally and externally. One of the most innovative things, and this started in our marketing organization, um, that uh, our head of marketing had done was to go out and look. 50% of our customers were women. 50% of his leadership team were women. So he actually went out and challenged all the agencies and companies that he worked with to field teams that represented both our customers and our employees. And so he said, you have a year to get to that. Um, our head of legal did something similar. So, you know, not only are we affecting diversity inside our organization and making HP a destination for 
women and underrepresented minorities to feel comfortable and want to do their best work. But we also were doing it outside and changing, you know, industries as well, because we think it's so important in the organization. And it is part of our heritage. Bill and Dave were some of the first to embrace diversity. I've seen videos of like the first woman salesperson in the 1940s. You know, we had African-American leaders in, you know, the 50s and 60s. I found the first, what they called affirmative action training, but it was actually unconscious bias training in the in the 1970s. So they were really ahead of the game in how they viewed uh, diversity and, you know, the whole back to the value of trust and respect, I think it's just part of the HP way uh, and how we embrace it for our organization. It seems like change and openness is such a huge part of HP's DNA and and why you've enjoyed such success there, I think, in changing so much. But lastly, before we sadly are going to have to let you go, I think we could keep talking <laughs> for several hours about this stuff. But if there's a people leader out there who wants to get this kind of cultural or any kind of transformation going, a huge rehaul, a change of DNA, and they just haven't the faintest idea of where to start, what would be your one word of advice to them? How, how can they get that going? Well, first of all, they could call me because I spend a lot of time with other heads of HR (laughs) sharing best best practices around it. And uh, I'm happy to do that because I also think that's part of my my role. I've actually, um, I have to say in the last um, several years of being here, I've had 30 people that have worked for me that have gone on to be heads of HR at other companies. So um, I'm I'm spreading it that that way. You know, I think the most important thing... um, when you're looking at creating the culture is really working across your organization. You want to to understand what people are thinking. You know, one of the things I got to do when we split is I got to ask people three questions when we split. What do we want to take with us? What do we want to leave behind? And what do we want to be known for? I think you can do it and 10,000 employees weighed in. And so that's what really helped shape our culture. Um, and I think you can do that in your organization. You don't have to be splitting, but you know, as you're going into the next phase, if you're going through a transformation, we're all reinventing ourselves. You can ask employees those things and use that as the starting point and make sure that you're articulating values and cultures that are part of your company that can be true because you don't want to create organizational cynicism. You want them to be somewhat aspirational, but not so far afield that they can't happen. But you know, I would work with your employees, work with your leadership, bring those two things together, and then articulate really what we like to say is us on our best day. What's your company on your best day? What an inspiring note to end on. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining us on the podcast, and I hope you can join us again very soon. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HRD Live podcast with Tracy Keogh, CHRO of Hewlett-Packard. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on hrdconnect.com or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for a new episode every single week. See you next time.